You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Lord, we honour you in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We thank you for your presence here. I pray for every mind, every heart here today to receive illumination, to receive truth in their spirits, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just hope that um, Siri doesn't interrupt me. She has on occasions when I've preached. She said, pardon. And I say, shut up, Siri. (laughs) Poor Siri. So um, the topic of my preach today is about a very wonderful and special person. And if you think it's about you, it's not about you. Although you are wonderful and special. The name of this special person is Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity, and he was sent to us by Jesus to be our helper, our teacher, our guide, and our friend. Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 14, 16, he says, I will talk to the Father, and I'll provide you another friend. This is from the message version. I'll provide you with another friend so that you'll always have someone with you. The friend is the spirit of truth. Isn't that wonderful? We've got a friend that is always with us. I miss my, my, my babes, Louise. She's in Manila. Um, but I'm not alone. Isn't that amazing? He's with us. So the, the Holy Spirit is wonderful in every way. He loves us so much, and he loves it when we talk about Jesus. He empowers us to do that. So when we go on the streets today, we don't go with our cleverness. We go with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, it's been my experience that people struggle to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Somehow people can't quite wrap their heads around who he is. And often this leads to him being ignored or even rejected. And it's like, you know, I don't know if you have have a friend, you go to lunch with them and they spend the whole lunch on their phones ignoring you. Sometimes we're a bit like that with the Holy Spirit. And I think there's also a degree of fear when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And this may stem from wrong teaching, a lack of understanding, or simply a fear of the unknown. It's been uh, my experience. I've seen many manifestations of the Holy Spirit in a meeting. The Holy Spirit would manifest himself. And there are those in, in the meeting that desperately want Holy Spirit to touch them. There are some that are unfazed, indifferent. And then there are those that are extremely uncomfortable, and they want to run a mile. And I think part of the reason why people feel so uncomfortable is that they are confronted with something spiritual that they can't explain. It may be the case as well that, you know, their lives are sinful. They're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He convicts them and He challenges them. To know Holy Spirit, to walk with Holy Spirit, to fellowship with Holy Spirit, you need to yield to Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about him and what he does. I want to honor him in this place, and I pray that he will reveal himself to all of us in greater measure. So um, the basic Christian doctrine, you probably are aware, uh, speaks about the Trinity. The Trinity comes from the Latin word Trinitas, which means the three are one. The three in the context of the Christian doctrine is the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so most people are comfortable with the father, the idea of a father, and they're comfortable to some extent uh, 
with Jesus, the Son, unless there's really dark stuff going on in their lives. But generally, people are not too sure, how do I relate and how do I feel about the Holy Spirit? Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples. What we're going to do today in Dandenong, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So obviously, it's important to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, but it's equally important for the Holy Spirit to be in there. See, the inclusion of the Holy Spirit is not just a nice add-on to round things off. His inclusion is as necessary as the Father and the Son. And I was thinking about this the other day. You know, when Jesus told us to make disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he was declaring what the new spiritual life was all about. You see, baptized in the Father because he restores our identity as children of God, sons and daughters. Baptized in the Son because Jesus restores our relationship with the Father. Baptized in the Holy Spirit because he restores our intimacy with the Father through Jesus and he empowers us to live a spiritual life that pleases the Father. So when I was preparing all this, I, I really spent a bit of time saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? You know, I can say all sorts of things, but what do you want to say? Because I know that's going to be the most meaningful thing. So I felt the Holy Spirit impress on my heart that some people don't know him and, or they don't know how to relate to him. And because of this, it's easier for them to steer clear of him than to embrace him. I know he wants you to come to know him today and to embrace him today. You see, he was never meant to be a silent partner. You know, in business, you'll get a silent partner. They put all the capital in, but they, they don't attend meetings. They're silent. He was never intended to be a silent partner. John 14, 17, Jesus says, speaking about the Holy Spirit, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But then in the, same center, in the same verse, Jesus says to his disciples, but you know him and he lives in you and he will be, he, he lives with you and he will be in you. And so in contrast to the world, people of the world, Jesus' disciples should know this, the Holy Spirit, have the Holy Spirit with them, have the Holy Spirit in them. So who is the Holy Spirit? That's a great question. Thanks, Bethany, for asking that. Some people think he's, uh, he's a wind or he's a, he's, a, he's a breath, and that's probably because in the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which sounds like a breath, and this, uh, uh, that's the Hebrew word. The Greek word is pneuma, which means wind or air, and it's true sometimes when, when Holy Spirit, when his presence comes, it feels like a wind. That's true. But he also descended like a dove onto Jesus when Jesus was baptized. Does it mean he's a dove? No. Does it mean he's a wind? No. He is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not an impersonal force or an influence. And I can say this because through Scripture you'll see that there are characteristics. He has the characteristics of a person. He has a mind. Romans 8.27 says that to us. Uh, Acts 15.28 says he can make decisions. He makes decisions. He loves us. Romans 15.30 says... Uh, he searches out all things and has knowledge, 1 Corinthians 2, 10, uh, 11. Am I going too fast? I'm sorry. I'm, so I'm not going to read all these out because I don't have time. And where am I up to? Yeah, I'm good. Um, the Holy Spirit has gifts, and he distributes them as he wants, 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Um, personal pronouns. It's a big thing in our society today. 
Jesus referred to him as he or him, never it or she. It is always he. He's also called comforter. The Greek word is parakletos, which means he's the one that draws alongside us. He's with us. He walks with us. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, the Holy Spirit testifies like a witness. John 15, 26 says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. That's why it's so important that we walk with the Holy Spirit when we're talking to people about Jesus, because the Holy Spirit himself will testify about, about Jesus. And then in Scripture we'll see there's, there's you know, um, he acts like a person. In Acts 16, uh, verses 6 to 7, he acts like a guide to Paul, and sometimes he prevents Paul from going into certain regions. Other times he tells him to go to those regions. Uh, the Holy Spirit speaks, Acts 8.29. Uh, there's a story of the Ethiopian eunuch uh, where the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So the Holy Spirit speaks. How he spoke, I don't know, but he spoke. Acts 13.2 as well. Um, the, guy, the disciples were, were, were worshiping and fasting, and the Holy Spirit says to them, set apart Barnabas and Saul for which, to the work which I have called them. Uh, the Holy Spirit teaches, John 14, 26. He intercedes for us, Romans 8, 26. You can get all these scriptures from me afterwards if you want to do a bit of a, a, a look at all this. He can be insulted. Uh, Hebrews 10, 29. It talks about insulting the Spirit of grace. He can be lied to. This is probably one of the scariest portions of scriptures that there is. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, the apostles are taking up funds to do the, the work of the ministry. They have some Ananias and Sapphira. That's a man and a, and a wife. They have a piece of land. They sell the land, and then they say, we'll give, you the, we'll give the full amount to the apostles for the work of the kingdom. But they hold some back. And then they, under the guise of giving the full amount, they... Um, uh, uh, Paul says to them, he says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. And I don't know if you know the story, but Ananias drops dead because he lied to the Holy Spirit. Sapphira drops dead. His body's not even cold. Sapphira drops dead, and they have to take these out. Needless to say, the fear of God was on the church at that time. It's a, you know, it's, it's a sobering thing, isn't it? He can be blasphemed. Uh, this is an, another scary portion of Scripture. In Matthew 12, 31 to 32, um, Jesus is saying, and so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, which is Jesus, will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. I, that, that scares me. I don't want to ever offend the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, you know, we can, we can be brash, we can be uh, impulsive about the things we say when we see the Spirit of God moving. Be careful, you know. Um, let's not put the fear of God in you, although that's not a bad thing. But be careful. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So number two, so number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, 
the Holy Spirit is holy. Wow, that's amazing. I know it's obvious, but the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Can I say that again? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Father is holy. Jesus is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. And theologically, one can say, yes, yes, I know. But one of the main reasons why people don't walk with the Holy Spirit is because they're not prepared to change their unholy lives. And I'm not saying these things to be offensive. But there's a freedom that comes when you change your life. You see, when you're walking with the Holy Spirit and He's leading you, He's guiding you, He's teaching you, He's empowering you. It means, you know, you look at Gabby, you look at Louise. <laughs> Great examples. I know my wife spends hours with Him. She has yielded her life to him. I get a little bit jealous sometimes. <laughs> I say that jokingly. I don't get jealous. But it's, she has yielded her life to him. That's why she can walk. They can walk with signs and wonders because they have living, yielded lives. You see, when you yield your life to the Holy Spirit, you are acknowledging that he is holy. You know that he's not going to tolerate sin in your life. And you don't want to displease him. And you don't want to dishonor him. And therefore you live your life accordingly to please and to honor him. You know, there's also some people that are afraid to yield their lives. Because they're afraid of losing control. But there's an irony to this. When you don't yield your life to the Holy Spirit, you lose control. You lose control to sin temptations, all the desires of the flesh. We lose control to unhappiness, anger, addictions, and so on. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us the power. He empowers us to live in a way that we can resist these things and live free from them and live a holy life. So then the question comes, how do we host the Holy Spirit in our lives? Are you keen to know how we do that? I'm just going to have some water. A 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So we read in the Old Testament um, about the, the, the tabernacle and the temple, and these were structures set up for the priests to worship God. Well, in the New Testament we read, that we are the, holy, uh, the, 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 we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This means we have the amazing privilege and honor to host the Holy Spirit in this temple. That's a good reminder if you're doing anything wrong, you say, oh, hang on a second. I've got, you know, if I believe in Jesus, I've got the Holy Spirit with me. I've got to live differently. It's got to change the way we live, right? This means we, we should host Him well. So three points, we need to make space, we need to give him the proper place, and we need to accommodate him. So making space, is there space in our lives for the Holy Spirit, or are we so filled with other things that we have no space for him? Maybe we need to do a bit of clearing out. Maybe that's what God's talking to you about today. Maybe there's some thoughts, habits, and attitudes that need clearing out. You know, sometimes you can overeat, 
and you know you never overeat to the point where you can't have dessert. You know what I'm saying? But but you know sometimes you overeat and you feel full. You're full. You're full of it. You know you're full of you're full of food. You know we can be so full of information, but have so little revelation. And then Paul helped me with this. He said, and then there can be no transformation. So information doesn't give you revelation. Only the Holy Spirit gives you revelation, which causes our lives to be transformed. So we need to give him a proper place in our lives, which means simply to yield and submit to him. We need to give him the liberty and freedom to do what he wants to do. And then we need to accommodate him. Accommodating means to make him comfortable, to seek to please him, to create a desirable environment for him. This means to fellowship and communicate, communion, commune with him and have communion if you want. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he is sensitive and gentle. And I was thinking about this. You know, so they, they used to say back in the day that he's the, the perfect gentleman. And I'd say, you know, it's a good description, but it doesn't quite do it for me. He's sensitive and gentle, but he's all powerful. You know, this is the thing, don't, don't, don't confuse it. You know, um, he is sensitive because of his holiness. So if, there's, if you're doing stuff that he doesn't like, he'll tell you, don't do it, but then he'll leave. You know, he'll, the deposit remains there, but the, the filling of him will leave. And so I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. I will fill them when they ask me and really want me to come and fill them. I will never force myself into someone's life if they're not wanting me. I come by invitation. I come not only to fill, but to empower and to bring kingdom ways and gifts for those who want me. Someone once said the secret of a, of a life overshadowed and empowered with the Holy Spirit is learning the lifestyle of hosting the presence of God, learning how to cultivate a genuine and intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. So how do we create this environment that the Holy Spirit desires? Two words, be thirsty. In John 7, 37, Jesus is speaking to the crowds and, and he says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Are you thirsty today? Come and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture that says, rivers, not a stream, not a trickle, not a little thingy little strandy thingy. No, rivers, rivers. You know, rivers talks to me. A mighty, powerful river will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. Whew. Can somebody say Shabba Baba? <laughs> Ephesians 5, 18 to 20 says, this is from the message. He says, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. I'm not looking at anybody when I say that, okay? Because I know some people enjoy their wine. Enjoy your wine. Go for it. But drink the Spirit of God. Huge drafts of them. You know, drafts, like you go to the pub, there's big drafts, like go to Germany, the Munich, whatever. Big, you know, big drafts. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God. The Father in the name of Jesus Christ, our Master. Can we say amen to that? <laughs> Other versions say, be filled with the Spirit, which means be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time event. You see, the Holy Spirit loves it when we're thirsty for Him because then He can fill us. 
we're not thirsty, we got I'm not thirsty, but I'm full of other stuff. No, you've got to be thirsty. So what helps with this is, with creating this environment, is minimizing the influence of the world in our lives. We are in the world, but we are set apart from the world. Things of the world can be distracting and can influence us and draw us away. But the beautiful thing is, when we're walking with Holy Spirit, we can influence the world. Ooh. Eliminate the sinful. Don't give place to the devil. The devil is real, whether you believe it or not. It's interesting. Some people believe more in the devil than they do in God. I don't know why you do that, but you know that's true. Stop doing anything that's contrary to God's word. Live according to God's word. Be quick to repent. When you've done something wrong, contrary to God's word, or even contrary to your conscience, if there's a nudging in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. He's trying to keep you safe. Repent quickly. Keep short accounts with God. Don't compromise. Leave no gray areas concerning your commitment to and holiness and obedience to God. Don't compromise your faith and your values. If you give an inch, trust me, the devil will take a mile. It's always true. Avoid any participation with darkness. Before I knew the Lord, I was into the occult. And I can say this with, with authority, that you begin to dabble in those things, darkness will come. And the price that you pay for that is misery. Don't tolerate anything demonic or occultic. Destroy anything in your position, a possession that even leans towards the occultic. Just get rid of it. That's what I had to do. I got saved. I had thousands of rands in those days of worth of books and paraphernalia. The Lord said, get rid of it. Get rid of it. I said, no, I could sell it. No, get rid of it. I, but Lord, it cost me something. Get rid of it. I took my crystal ball. It just seems strange to even talk about it now. But I took my crystal ball. I went to, there's a place in South Africa called the Blue Lagoon. It's like the movies, eh? And... Uh, I, I, it had, I was actually going to Bible college that night, <laughs> and uh, I had it in my, the, front of, the front of my car, drove to Bible college, and it was the weirdest thing ever. I just felt so uncomfortable. Then I got to the Blue Lagoon, and this is where people were fishing, and I felt like a, uh, it was a, like a murder weapon, you know, I was going to try and get rid of the murder weapon, you know what I mean? <laughs> Clandestinely took out my crystal ball, and I, bloop, you know, and then I ran off quickly <laughs> just in case they called the cops. <laughs> Get rid of it. It's not worth it. It's just, a, it's just stuff. The thing is, anything like that gives access to the demonic and it grieves the Holy Spirit. We can't, it's not worth it. You paid money for it. So what? Get rid of it. The Lord will bless you for your obedience. Number one, what was number one? Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, the Holy Spirit is holy. Number three, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so, again, I'm just going with what the Holy Spirit told me to talk about. That's why I've got these particular points. There's so many things you can talk about the Holy Spirit. But the one thing he said, speak about the spirit of truth. He said to me, in me, there is no falsehood. I cannot tolerate falsehood. Deception of any kind is repulsive to me. I am the spirit of truth. I bring truth. For those who have an ear to hear, all falsehood must go and truth must settle into your inner being. Once truth is the way of being, 
then truth will rise up in you and revelation will come. Now, truth nowadays is considered to be relative. The thinking is, if it's true for me, then it must be true. Uh, we were chatting, we went out for a lunch the other day, a few of us, and they were saying about how this uh, one person at a university was identifying as a cat. So, I mean, you could truly believe I'm a cat. You could even meow, you can go and scratch in the sandbox. But the truth is, you know, your nails might get dirty, but the truth is, it's not true. What might be true is that you're struggling with delusional thoughts, which is a very sad thing. And the enemy operates like that. He tries to he convinces something is true, but it's not true. But the issue of truth is what is truth is not a new thing. In, in the book of John, Jesus gets arrested. He's taken before the Roman governor, Pilate. And uh, Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds to him saying, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Then Pilate says, his response is, what is truth? You see, even in those days, the truth was up for grabs. Today, in our time, in our lives, the truth has been watered down and society is confused about what the truth is. Let me tell you, what is truth then? The truth is what is according to God's word. All truth comes from God, is actual and real, and is revealed to us by the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The truth is so important because it is spiritual reality with material consequences. I'll say it again. Spiritual reality. I'm not clever enough to write this, by the way. This is, this is from the Lord, okay? It's spiritual reality with material consequences, according to God. Not reality according to the world. You see, the world has its truth, and they're always trying to scientifically prove this and that, but there's a higher truth. It's God's truth. You see, the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, but it has very real consequences in a material world. I'll give you an example. Some years ago, this is a small example, uh, we had a friend who was diagnosed with cancer, and the doctors didn't give him a very favorable prognosis. So this man was concerned about the situation and asked for prayer. So one night a few of us went to pray for him. And as we were praying, and you don't say this lightly, but I, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, he will live and not die. I was convinced it was the Holy Spirit. And I said, I said, I feel God say, you will live and not die. This was the truth according to the spirit of truth. I was so convinced that this was the voice of God, so I told him. But to this day, many years later, he's still alive against the odds of the medical profession. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See, God's truth superseded the prognosis of the medical profession. And I feel that's for somebody here today, maybe a few of you today. That thing man has declared, he's given you his diagnosis and prognosis. But God has a higher truth. What is up there will manifest itself here. 
And I say that under the anointing of God right now. Psalm, Psalm 107 says, and Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent forth His word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. You see, I'm not talking stuff that's just in my mind. This is God's truth. You see, when the Spirit of truth declares something, He's declaring what the Father has spoken. Holy Spirit doesn't speak on His own accord. He speaks what the Father speaks. This, this spiritual reality becomes a material reality, regardless of, of what the state of that thing is in the material world. And this might give you a different take on this portion of Scripture. It says in John 8.31, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. There's a power to that. I don't know if you can feel it, but there's a power to that. And I say, Lord, help us to grow in this area. You see, lies and falsehood is what isn't and is contrary to God's word. That's how the devil works. His native tongue is lies and deception. He's called the father of lies. Lies and falsehood bind up, ensnare, and imprison. If you're living lives yielded to the Holy Spirit, to the spirit of truth, we will listen to and embrace God's truth, live according to God's truth, walk in the freedom that God's truth brings. And if a bad situation presents itself in your life and things happen, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the Father's truth on the matter. This is a truth you can hold on to. Don't be distracted by lies and falsehood. Be led by the spirit of truth. Number four, this is my final point. How am I doing? Oh, got loads of time. 36 seconds. <laughs> he is the spirit without measure. You see, when you first get saved, you get a deposit of the Holy Spirit. You get the, the Holy Spirit as a deposit in your life, which the, which the Bible says is a guarantee of things to come. This means that we've been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment, which guarantees that there's so much more that God is wanting to release in us and do with us in this life and the life hereafter. Um, John 3.34 says, speaking about Jesus, for the, for the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God, the, and God, for God gives the Spirit without measure. I'll read that again. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without measure. If God has given Jesus the Spirit without measure, and Jesus has sent us the very same Spirit, then surely the deposit is just the beginning. You see, the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to keep filling us up to the over overflowing. He can fill me, He can fill you, He can fill us, He can fill a church, He can fill a nation, He can fill the nations of the world. I felt the Holy Spirit say this, there is nothing that I cannot do this applies to individuals and to cities and to nations. I can be poured out over large geographical locations because I am the spirit without measure. People limit me and cap me because that is what they are comfortable with and that is the limits they are willing to allow themselves to understand. You see, what restricts the spirit without measure in our lives is our desire to contain and measure him. What releases the Spirit without measure in our lives is that we give Him the liberty and freedom to do and embrace what He wants to do and cooperate with Him. And just briefly want to talk about, 
I just want to honor what he said to me, but he, but he spoke to me about wine and wineskins, and I apologize in advance to my vegan friends. Um, no animals were hurt in, in producing this, this sermon, so <laughs> I love you, and the Lord loves you. That's the main thing you've got to know, okay? Jesus says in Mark 2.22, he says, No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And so the, the meaning of this verse in the context of Mark chapter 2 was that the old ways had to change to make ways for the new things of Jesus, that Jesus was doing. The new way requires a preparedness to be flexible. The new way was a change from religious observances to relational interactions, from ritual to interpersonal. You see, new wine in, is, in, the, in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The wineskins represent that which contains the new wine. In other words, we are the wineskins. A wineskin, that's why I apologize to my vegan friends, in the natural is a part of an animal that has been cleaned out and is used for drinking from. And somebody once described that as something that's freshly dead. A new wineskin is flexible and, and is a perfect vessel for new wine. New wine is still fermenting, so it needs to be contained in a vessel that, that was flexible and could cope with the, uh, with the fermentation process. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit does not depend on observing certain things. It is dynamic like new wine. It grows within us. He changes us. An old wineskin can simply not cope as it's rigid and inflexible. The new wine will ruin the wineskin. And then the scriptures say that both the wineskin and the new wine will be ruined. So I want to ask you a couple of questions today. Are you freshly dead to yourself? Are you a new wineskin, flexible and ready to grow and change as the Holy Spirit works within us? You don't have to put up your hands. Or are you an old wineskin that is inflexible and not willing to grow or change? The Bible says if you're the latter, the old wineskin, you're in danger of wasting the new wine and you yourself will be ruined bit of a sobering thought, isn't it? I felt the Holy Spirit say, say, say this, I will in the last days be poured out and no one will be able to stop me from being poured out. Those that resist me will be very uncomfortable and will try and run away from my presence. I do not want this. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. But this is what happens when people aren't prepared to change. They run away as if they can hide from me. Then I heard him laughing. He said, this is so foolish. Because how can, who can hide from me, from my presence? Am I not everywhere? So in conclusion, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to make himself known to all of us here today. I believe he wants to fill us up to the place of overflowing. And I want to say this to you. Don't let any, anything stop you from being filled. Don't let anything stop you, stop you from being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Move from having the Holy Spirit in you to living in the Holy Spirit. Move from, move from having the Holy Spirit living in you to living in the Holy Spirit. 
You can receive Him today. Receive the Holy Spirit without measure. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.